0: Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by lead analyst Logan Bodoshami to talk about what the Fed doesn't seem to understand about housing, as well as housing starts, builder sentiment, and more. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking to Desmond Smith, Chief Growth Officer at UWM, about SafeCheck. Desmond, how are trigger leads impacting borrowers? So
1: trigger leads have become a very big issue in many industries, not just mortgages. But specifically the mortgages, what we've seen happen is a loan officer, or a broker will pull credit. And sometimes within minutes, but uh, definitely within the hour, uh, we've had consumers receive upwards of 40 calls. You know, within a day or two, they may receive hundreds of calls. So that's the reason that UWM created SafeCheck to protect borrowers.
0: Thanks, Desmond. And listeners, you can find out more about SafeCheck at uwm.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. And you are back in your home location. Uh back from that amazing trip.
1: Yes. Back in TAN, which I try not to I try to stay out of the sun as much as possible. But you know, what, what are you gonna do in, in four seasons in Anguilla? So yes, it's good uh, yeah. to be back.
0: I don't I don't feel bad for you in any way, but uh thank you for being on today. We have a lot to talk about. Wanted to start off with the Fed because we've had some more comments that just it just calls into question some things about the Fed. I know that you have strong opinions here. So let me hand it over to you.
1: I'm I'm asking everyone listening that you're going to have to take the Federal Reserve's uh, statements on housing with a grain of salt now because time after time after time, I'm, I'm allowing them to, you know, come out with something coherent and they just come out with some more bat crazy stuff. And the reason I say this is yesterday, uh, Neil Kashkari was talking about, well, we might need to hike rates more, and you know, I, I understand the Fed trying to talk tough. But he actually said that, well, we didn't think we we're surprised that the Fed rate hikes didn't slam housing. And I say to myself, this is not a dumb guy. I mean, Neil's Neil's a pretty smart guy, and he's not a baby boomer either. So when you have, and 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 I, and I say this, and I say this that. You know, when you have the biggest home sale crash in one year ever recorded in history, honey, the brakes didn't work. The car crashed. All right. And I can't defend statements like that when people go, wait a second, what is he talking about? Home sales? Yeah. Home sales are near 21st century lows. If you take the workforce and population and how many people working, they're really pretty much like all time lows. That's not the brakes, oh, I can't believe it It, it didn't stop the brakes. What has occurred is that we got down to a very historically low level of sales. My whole November 9th thing, I mean, we wrote about this on November 9th. It looks like home sales are crashing so much that we're going to get to 4 million, which is like, that would be a, you know, a line in the sand and look what happened. It got to 4 million exactly. But to say that, that isn't like, you're shocked that, it didn't slam the brakes i mean i i sarah i just can't i can't i i i understand what they have to do to talk the markets down but this is like some crazy tiktok people talking you know and it's just not it's not an efficient way to talk about housing in that regard we had the biggest home sale crash ever and then housing stabilized and higher mortgage rates are not boosting demand i know they they thought Sales were growing because they don't track forward-looking data, but there's nothing in the data that shows. We had three good months, November, December, January, that forward-looking data was positive for the existing home sales market. And that's it. It's it's basically now we're negative year-to-date. Today's purchase application data was basically flat week-to-week, but down 26% year-over-year. Nothing's happening in that regard. We're stuck at these low levels. So there has to be an acknowledgment that if you are part of an institution that manages the economy, you have to realize some of the most basic, simple economic data that I could go out, I could go right now to my neighborhood, a, five, a five-year-old 5 kid and go, does that look like nothing happened to the market? And they go, no, sir, it doesn't. It looks like it crashed. Yes, you got it. And you didn't have to pay $300,000 for your college education for that.
0: And we know that they considered housing um, an acceptable casualty of these of their policies they said all along you know that there had to be a housing reset and there has been more than a housing reset i mean the housing has been in a recession since last june
1: we have to subjectively break the housing data apart from each other to get the kind of the real story and uh, and my, the curse of being a housing data analyst in the last 10 years is that everyone focuses on existing home sale prices which is not the most efficient way to look at housing economics but that's where all the uh, um, attention is so people are trying to say, well, maybe Neil talked about home prices not getting slammed. Even if I wanted to use the home price growth model, it the growth rates slowed down tremendously. We still have some <clears throat> some negative year over year data still, so nothing makes sense. But when we talk about net demand, like when we went on CNBC and said housing is in a recession, right? It was because production was falling, demand was falling, jobs were falling, incomes are falling. This is how economics has worked since the Peloponnesian War. You can't come on, you know, a, a TV station or, or a quote and say that, well, wow, we're shocked that housing never got slammed when you have the biggest one-year sales crash in history. So <clears throat> until you get sales growth, like pickup in sales, you uh you, you can't go there. And the reason I say this is that if they believe housing is growing again, there is no motivation for them to talk about lowering rates or anything, because they always say that the interest rate sensitive parts of the economy are getting hit. Mm-hmm. Oh, the irony of saying one day <clears throat> housing's getting hit and then saying another day, oh, we just don't understand why they didn't ever get slammed. So um, we're not growing sales from a very low level. Uh, purchase application data, the forward-looking data is telling us this. Uh, we're even starting to see some cracks with the home builder survey on this, uh, as well. So there, there has, there has to be young, talented analysts that work for the federal reserve to kind of to like, get them to, to understand this because it was bad enough that Barkin, the president of the, uh, 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 of the Cleveland hedge side, I don't know why people aren't listing their homes. Well, mortgage rates went from three to 7%. Okay. Uh, uh, you don't list your homes to be homeless. I, Sarah, I still to this day don't understand where did this list your homes to be homeless thing come from. In, I mean, we we don't have anything on record that this has ever occurred. So you know if you can qualify or what your payment is. So when y- rates go up as much as they did, especially after home prices have gone up, there are going to be people that go, I don't want to be homeless. You're going to look at your wife and go, honey, let's not be homeless. Let's just stay in our house because we have a very low pay. Oh, by the way, I am just spending a lot of time on social media, ripping on the big cry babies. <laughs> I have a low mortgage rate. I feel trapped. Go to your bank and tell them, by the way, can you raise my mortgage rates by 5% on my 30-year fix so I don't feel trapped? You go ahead and do that and tell me how you feel. Pinocchio, okay, come on. There's just some crazy there's some crazy stuff in this country about housing economics and I have no problem correcting everyone on it cuz this boo hoo crybaby nation on oh I'm, I'm trapped I'm trapped oh my god I guess go ahead raise your tell them to raise your rates then let's see how trapped you feel
0: That's kind of a ridiculous argument and I'm glad you're taking those people on so very interesting on on what you said about the Fed and and just I think it I think if you're in housing, you feel like who is steering this ship, right? So at the same time, you have you have a lot of um, efforts from the federal government to try to increase, you know, the opportunities for people to become first-time homeowners or you know, affordable housing options. And it's like, but it feels like if you take a step back from that, the people who are who could influence affordability in other ways just are completely unplugged from that
1: if you don't want housing to grow, then you just say we understand home sales are down and we don't care. They should just be honest about it, right? That's kind of like what what I hear from the Fed is that we don't care. I mean, that's been the whole theme. They've they've never they've never given a coherent answer on housing except they don't know they said for Jay Powell said housing's in a bubble. Okay, if it's a bubble, where's the inventory? Um Waller said housing's fine. Housing was in a recession when that was happening. I, 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 this is why I tell people you have to just take the Federal Reserve statements on housing with a grain of salt. This is not, this is, th- this is getting into crazy town with some of their things. So affordability got hit. Sellers are buyers. People don't list their homes when it's not affordable. Uh, People don't sell a very low housing cost to go rent at a higher cost. These things are fundamental things that have been in the housing ecosystem, especially after 2010, and we have to verse ourselves on it. Uh, And again, the 10-year yield is getting closer to the four and a quarter um, peak. So uh, uh, economic data today, Atlanta Fed, 5.8% GDP. Right, uh, 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 industrial productions came in good. Housing starts were up month to the month. So uh, we're we're getting into this area where bond yields are up for the right reasons. Right, we said if the economy stays firm, we stay in this range. But you know we're at the upper end range because the economic data has been firm. Labor was never breaking, hasn't broken once. It's cooling down, but not breaking. So this is why the ten-year yield is getting close. Uh, and if it closes above four and a quarter. And we get follow through bond selling. I will write a brand new article. We'll have a podcast to talk about this because this has actually happened a few times uh, in the previous decade where I have these ranges and we have a brief period of time where we break through them. How do we react to it? But right now, you know, uh, active listings are down year over year. New listings data is trending at the lowest levels. Housing affordability is the worst ever. Sarah, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like a savagely unhealthy housing market. And again, this was always the fear about years 2020 to 2024. This period is different than any other time that we've had in recent history. So it's a difficult uh, um, housing market to navigate, especially when homeowners are doing really well. Like most homeowners aren't crying. Oh my God, I have a 2.75% rate. I can't move. Jesus, God. Sarah, there's something about I hope these people are just lying. Like like you cannot be a bigger crybaby than, than complain about your low mortgage rate. Gee, I mean, uh, there are countries out there. We have engineers in Canada protesting in front of banks because they're making $250,000 plus and they can't afford their payments because their rates recast. They're talking about 60, 90-year mortgages. And we're like, oh, we have a really low fixed debt payment, and life is good. I'm going to be a crybaby anyway.
0: Okay. Well, since the last time we talked, of course, the tracker has come out, um, and you focused this week's tracker um, or on on last week's data on what happened with mortgage rates and the ten year yield. So let's get into that just a little bit because that was crazy, and it tested your upper level. You have a channel. It tested the upper level, bounced off. Where, where are we on mortgage rates and the ten year yield?
1: So I think right now, as of this very second, I think we're at four point two three percent. We actually hit four and a quarter intraday. I, I I don't care so much about the intraday action. It's the closing yields that matter to me. So we are we are at the upper end, right? Uh, we are the uh, we are at the upper end of the bond market channel with the growth rate of inflation being at the kind of low end. Uh, and this is why I, cry, I I try to stress this last year that, um, you know. We had lower bond yields and lower mortgage rates with the hottest inflation data. So be careful about using inflation and mortgage rates and bond yields one hundred percent correlation. Okay, there's there, it doesn't work all the time in that regard because the economic data has been firm. Um, we should have had eight to ten percent mortgage rates last year, considering where inflation was, but we never did, right? Because the growth rate of inflation is more. Uh, a global pandemic than, let's say, a 1970s. Oh, by the way, Neil Kashkari did bring up the 1970s again, even though rent inflation is not going to be anything like that. So they can't give it up, Sarah. They can't give up the 1970s for some reason. Um, In any case, uh, when we talk about mortgage rates, it still looks normal to me, except if I – looked at GDP growth and where the headline inflation is, uh, talking about core, I mean, mortgage rates should be higher with how bad the spreads are. But for right now, even with the data being firm, we have not closed above four and a quarter. So that that to me is a, is, is a big deal because real yields are, when we talk about the 10-year yield or Fed funds rate versus inflation, it's very restrictive now compared to what the Fed is. And the Fed doesn't really want this to get worse, right? They don't want to cut rates because the economy goes into a recession. They want to keep rates as high as possible until the labor market breaks. So uh, uh, this is why you're not, you're not, you know, if things start to get bad on the bond market side, you know, they might come out and start making some comments. But the real yields is the story right now, because that's why it's really important that inflation fell, because we wouldn't have this discussion today If the growth rate of inflation was still at, you know, 8% or 7%, you know, so uh, it is very important that the growth rate of inflation fall just for the economy and everything in general, uh, real wages are picking up again because uh, headline inflation is falling. So we'll take it one step at a time. But yeah, we are so close to testing that level. And remember, there is no Gandalf line up here, right? The Gandalf line was only in the bottom because the labor market wasn't breaking. That's why that line was there. If jobless claims were above 323,000 on the four-week moving average, I could put Gandalf on the top end, but I can't do that now, right? Because jobless claims are not breaking in that uh, sector. So uh, the tracker, you know, we, we went over this with the 10-year yield, active inventory, another slow week, um, negative year over year on active listings, new listings data is starting its seasonal decline, trending at the lowest levels ever recorded history. So again, positive side, homeowners are doing great. Negative side, sellers or buyers, not that many people are listing. So uh, still with all that, we're probably going to have roughly near 5 million total home sales. Uh, um, And uh, we'll see how much damage mortgage rates at these levels start to do. They're not really moving so much up and down, but they're just hovering above 7% longer now. Uh, So taking a look at the purchase application data still... Uh, there's no real big declines in the data lines anymore, but it's not growing. I think that's the best thing I could uh, 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 portray with that information. Last year, you saw this waterfall collapse in demand, and this year, not so much, right? Uh, uh, we're at the seasonal decline period of volumes, and you just kind of move with that. It's a f- really funky survey. Unless you track it every single day for like 10 years, you might it might be confusing to people, but what we're seeing is not much is happening uh, uh, right now, rates are simply too high to promote growth in in, in a big, meaningful way. But active inventory are still near all time lows.
0: So you talked about purchase apps. Let's talk about housing starts and the builders. Where are the builders? Because we had a really interesting builder sentiment come out.
1: You know, I I I'm I'm starting to see cracks in the builder survey. I love the builder survey. I think it's the best economic survey data we have. Why? Because these people here are here to make money. They don't care about politics or anything like that. If they think they can sell the product, they'll be happy. And we had this big bounce from the lows and everybody just kind of ignored it. Like, you know, like the real bearish housing people, like you tell them the surveys bounce up. It doesn't matter. It's just going to, it's a bounce. It's going to, no, builder stocks were at, you know, 52 to all time highs and, and new home sales are still growing year over year. But you're starting to see the builder survey start to, you know, show some cracks in terms of the forward-looking six-month single-family sale homes have been down back-to-back uh, months. Nothing, nothing big, but we haven't had that in a while, and it's happening with mortgage rates above seven. So they have a lot of profit margins; they can pay down rates. That takes you so, so much, so far. Uh, um, so it'll be curious to see if rates do Make another leg up higher, how bad that survey gets because the survey is very choppy. In the previous expansion, we go up and down a lot, you know, but stay kind of in a range. We have it, we, we all economic data has these really violent moves up and down. You know, it's for a lot of people they've never dealt with economic data on high velocity. But here, we could be starting a new choppy back and forth period, or if rates keep on going higher, they'll let us know. That they're not as confident, and and I stress to people the the builders still have a big backlog of homes they haven't even started on yet. Uh, so uh, they only have seventy two thousand active listings available for sale. So and there's still that backlog, so they're just working it through slow and steady, right? Slow and steady wins the race. That's what they're doing. So don't look for them to start piling housing permits. I think that's the thing. You know, when you look at housing permits, you're like. Not much is happening. It's stabilized, like a lot of housing data. Housing data have stabilized, but it's not really growing that much. You do see some single family growth, but uh, we're starting to see some cracks in the builder survey. So we need to see follow through action. Is it just a choppy period, or is it you know something bigger? And lower mortgage rates solve a lot of issues. We're just not there, Sarah. Not yet.
0: Not yet. You know. So I had Mike Simonson of Altos Research on the pod yesterday. Um, and it was great to have him on and he, you know, we went over inventory and home sales in, in various markets, but one of the high level points was something that, you know, of course you use Altos data um, in your tracker and in other things is that we are at about half the available homes for sale as we were in 2019. And that's just a, a pretty shocking place to be.
1: You know, uh, when I do the tracker article, <clears throat> I like to show the perspective of, you know, where are we right now and where were we in 2015? You know, uh, we are at like 492,000 single family homes. But in 2015, we had 1.2 million. So why didn't home prices crash, right? With more than double the inventory uh, in 2015? It's because the supply and demand equilibrium was balanced back then right we had more choices days on market were higher but uh here we have an affordability issue much worse than back then but we just don't have the active listings so active listings can grow and you don't have a you know we're going to have a housing bubble live debate on August 31st with Another person that thinks whatever housing is going to crash. The way I'm going to format that debate is this kind of talking point. Is it mathematically possible in America to have home prices crash when demand is stable and inventory is near all time lows? That's how I try to trap housing crash people because I want them to say that. Right. And then what happened last year is that we had the housing bubble debate and whatever 40% home price crashes, and then that, none, none of that's happening. Five of the indexes are at all time highs. But here, the tracker in Altos Research is designed for everybody to read and you could see what's going on live before you get the old and slow data from the monthly sales report. So everyone gets a heads up. Uh, and that's why I always like to show what it was in 2015 to compare it to now, because if demand is stable now with this much low activity, even with affordability, you could see why prices are back at all-time highs. If demand was crashing like it was last year... Uh, and I even talked about this in the 2023 uh, forecast, home prices can fall 5.9 to 7.4%. That's a big nominal price decline. If mortgage rates stay above 5.875 and home sales continue their crash, that all stopped in November 9th. That's why we created the tracker so everyone can see forward-looking data so you're not three to four or five months behind. What, what, what we're seeing is that you know, a month ago, everyone's like, "What's going on?" Because they're stuck in the marketplace of 2022 before uh, uh, November. So that's why the the housing is one of these real critical areas of the economy. But you can get an idea by looking ahead, and that's why we did the tracker so everyone can see. And now it's like, "Wow, it works, doesn't it?" Yes, it does. Um, so uh, hopefully, people can learn the value of weekly tracking data and not do these random throwing up percentage. How many people did we have, Sarah, say 20% home price declines? Nice <laughs> round number. They just throw stuff okay. up in the air. 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 10, 15, 20, 20, 20. Oh, revise, 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 revise. Oh, where are we going now? You know, so let the data guide you, right? Let let the numbers guide you. They are, they are very efficient. Uh, uh, this is why I don't get bounded by a, a person's forecast in a sector that can move like this, both positive and negative. And this way, you don't get caught uh, um, always revising your price forecast. Because trust me, Sarah, I remember everyone last year. I remember everyone for 12 years talking about these major home price crashes. And last year, everyone went all in. All in. Didn't care. It was over. This is it. And look where we are right here. Five of the national indexes are at all-time highs, right? Because the beauty of math, facts, and data, numbers do not lie. People, politicians, poets, they can lie, but numbers are the closest thing we have to the handwriting of God.
0: I always appreciate when you say that. So I know that as we come to the end of the year, I was like, Okay Logan where's your fo- where's your forecast everyone else is putting out the forecast where's yours and you were like no 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 i wait till i wait till the end because so much can change and then you don't reforecast you have one forecast you don't revise it all year long and you go back to say here's where it worked here's where i was a little bit off or whatever but you don't revise it for the year
1: and we and we we work We work off yearly forecasts and we focus on forward-looking data. And I think that's been the most efficient way because one of the things I try to tell people about last year is that what happened last year, this is the fourth time in the last 10 years that the housing market changed. The change is very unique right now just because sales are so low, but it changed and nobody believed it. And then six months later, they don't know what to do. And that's because the honest truth is, 99% of the people, no, excuse me, 99.9% of the people in America are not housing analysts. They're not data analysts. They're people on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. They are grifters. They don't forecast anything. They have no models. They make stuff up. My job is to publicly execute as many of these people on live camera so you can understand how a real analyst, because you all can do this. You all can read right this is why we believe in the power of reading you don't have to you know fall prey to the to the grifters of our society cuz guess what at the end of this year 12 years housing bubble boys 2.0 3.0 secured broken clock secured they are one of the groups in history that for 12 years, a broken clock, a broken clock that's not a living organism, <laughs> can have a better economic take than these people. Why? Because they don't forecast. That's the reality of the world we live in.
0: Well, Logan, very happy to have you on. I will remind our audience that not only are we having that, um, live debate, um, on the housing bubble, which will be really fun on August 31st, that you are also the keynote speaker at our housing, our annual event. You're going to open up the, um, event on Tuesday and you and I are going to close it out on Thursday with a live podcast on stage. And we're going to bring people up Mike yesterday. I can't believe this. He, um, he, you know, he reminded me that he is on team that there's no mortgage rate lockdown. That's not how he would describe it. That's not what he thinks, and I was like, seriously. So I'm gonna have to have both of you on stage for this. So I'm I am going to have to, uh, you know, get some reinforcements if I'm facing uh, not just you, but you and Mike. It's just it's just getting crazier.
1: Sarah, think about it in this way: if the two people you are talking to track housing data religiously, <laughs> and they're both saying somewhat of the same thing, and they both live off of numbers and data, do you? Really want to go into the debate with that knowledge ahead of you. It's like the housing crash people. I said you really want to debate me live when I know that you have the worst forecasting record because you never forecast, but you keep on saying crap price crashes. So the mortgage rate lockdown for me is 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 different because it's it's always been presented in the wrong way. Uh, um, and I just I wish I had one year. I mean, we talked about this last year at events that you know. Uh, I had three different variables that came true that I could actually open myself up to the mortgage rate lockdown premise. It's very extreme data that happened in one year, and it still didn't work for me. Uh, um, so when we have this debate on housing, and let me tell you, something, if you ever needed a time to get the most up-to-date housing information in history, right about now, this is the most confusing time, I, I understand, this is it. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a story worth of numbers and how the data is presented, and then this way, you don't have to say anything. I don't have to say anything. The evidence will showcase it, and that's why Mike yes. and I have a similar thought process on this.
0: I understand, but you both get to it different ways, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate and and get to the bottom of this. So I'm really excited about it. I think our listeners will love it. And Logan, thank you once again for being on the podcast.
1: Pleasure's all mine.